Cool. So how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, not the nicest weather today, but you know. Oh man, it's too bad my brother's not uh, with us because he loved the Pokemon shirt. He's a uh, yeah, Pokemon I'm a fan. Pokemon nerd, you know. <laughs> yeah, he plays Pokemon Go with his uh, son all the time. They're huge into it. Yeah, I saw him post something uh, Pokemon related on Instagram. I liked it. I was like, ah, one of, one of me. <laughs> yeah, I think they were opening a bunch of packs. Yeah, yeah it's it's a trading card game. So that's totally cool, man. Yeah, they went down to California for a big event down there for Pokemon. So where are you guys uh, located? We're up here in Washington, uh, Washington, just north of Portland. Just like 15 minutes north of Portland. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's actually hot here today, too. Oh yeah, That's nasty. Where are you? Where are you at? I'm in uh, New Jersey. Oh okay. Yeah, we'll be on the other side. <laughs> yeah okay. So similar weather to us probably. Yeah, it was really hot the last few days and humid, but uh, today there's like there's like a storm last night, and then the next couple of days are gonna be like high seventies and kind of rainy. Oh, it's nineties here. It's horrible. Yeah, that's how it looked yesterday. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, it was. I think we almost hit hundred the other day, and we're supposed to go over hundred next weekend. Oh man, it's just crazy for the Pacific Northwest. We're not used to that. Yeah, I haven't heard of it being getting that hot up over there. So, um, we're here with uh Timothy Butler on Among the Stones. So, um, for everybody who doesn't know who you are, tell us a little about yourself. Um, I'm Timothy Butler or Timmy on all the uh social media platforms. Uh, I'll be 28 in a few weeks. I'm from New Jersey and I like to lift things and do grip for fun. Um, people probably see a lot of, like my card tearing and blob stuff. That's probably what I'm the best at. But uh, it's it's all just a lot of fun for me, and I like to I like to challenge myself and test my abilities, and I just have fun with it. Right on. What got you into uh, grip sport? Um, I was always like in and out of like uh, just general strength training, and uh, my, my dad and I we used to like. We would arm wrestle and like he has these like really thick wrists and I have these like little skinny like little boy hands and wrists. So I was like, how can I how can I thicken my wrists and hands somehow? And uh, I came across uh, the captains of Crush Grippers I think in like 2013 2014 and finally December of 2015 I, I kept going back at them and look, looking at them looking at the videos and finally I decided December 2015 to get some and. Uh, then from there, you know, you find the online, uh, the forums and the community, and then you branch out to all this other stuff. And I just kind of got addicted, fell in love. <laughs> so where did you start out at? What what did you close when you first got your COCs? When I first got my COCs, I was able to close a one and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, for, for two reps. I, the two felt like impossible. Um, but then, you know, you watch some... Uh, some uh, setting videos and then stuff like that. And it helps out a lot because when you first touch a gripper, you don't know what the heck you're doing. You have like the worst leverages possible and you just think like anything else, just kind of grab it and squeeze. But, uh, yeah, I think I was right about a number one the first time I touched them. And I think most decently average strong dudes can close about a number one the first time they play with them. Yeah, they're, they're tough. Like I, they did surprise me because like I, I thought like I'd be able to get the two. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm a pretty strong guy. Like maybe I could do it, but definitely uh, they're humbling to say the least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A two and a half closer is a rare dude, you know? Like, yeah. We now look at that gripper as it's like, you know, one we work with all the time, but I mean, you rarely find somebody out there that can close that sucker. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's, it's a challenge. That one, like I got tendonitis trying to train to close that one. I started. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't follow the uh, work your extensors rule. Yeah, for sure. That's huge. It's amazing. I, I didn't do uh, extension or work for probably the first, I don't know, several years I was doing grippers. And uh, when I added it in, it made a huge difference. I jumped a couple of grippers in no time. Yeah, I, um, I think I was just so addicted to them. I was just doing them way too often without doing the extensors. And it, it set me back a little bit in the beginning. But it's all part of the, the learning curve, you know, it's a process. Yeah, exactly. I was, uh, I was into that time period when the volume training was huge. People were saying, oh, get your gripper out and do 100 reps with this hand and do 100 reps with the next hand. Every day, do 100 reps. And it's like, what kind of craziness is that? And, you know, <laughs> That's madness now, but that was that was the deal back, I don't know, 20 years ago. That's what people were doing. And like I would say you could kind of get away with that, like if you're just starting out, but then once you get to like the higher, like the more the ones with more tension, like it's just it's too much strain on those like on the tendons after a while. You just, it's just not an effective way of training or a safe way. For sure. So we got a couple of fan questions that came in. Um right. William wanted to know what kind of tips you have for vertical card tearing. For vertical card tearing, um, I mean, I, I have some decks here. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, vertical card tearing, it, I'm still kind of like getting the hang of it. Like sometimes it's just not a good day, and um, just things just aren't feeling right. You really have to um, focus on um, this part of your fingers where where there's going to be a lot of Oh, pressure right into here. I don't know if you can see that too well. Um, so I, I find that the hardest part when I'm trying to tear vertically is they'll, they'll start to slide apart very easily when I, when I do that, when I want to tear them. Mm -hmm. Just because I, I guess the, the horizontal way you have a much better kind of vice over the car, so it's oh, easier yeah. to keep them in place. But when they're like this, it's just a lot, it's a lot more awkward. So I, I would focus on, um, Finding, you also want your finger not too far towards the center of the deck because then you have less to grab onto. If you find the perfect balance of where you have your finger on the deck where you have a good enough grip to keep it all, uh, to keep, you know, keep the grip on it and keep it all together, but then still where you have enough space on this part of the deck where you can get a really good um, grab and uh, tear them. Um, but as far as like the technique, I don't know how, how much you want me to get into this. Uh, <laughs> Because like I use my thumb pad is involved with a lot of my tearing. I, I it's almost like a weird like I almost kind of scoop down with my thumb pad and then pinch it as I'm as I'm pulling up. I'm really bad at explaining. No, it makes sense. I kind of do a, tw uh, a twist back thing when I when I do it. I kind of bend down and then twist back. So um, I kind of get what you're saying about the thumb pad helping because that would give it more structure when you get to do the backward twist. Yeah. It helps create that uh, S, uh, S curve. Yeah. And, and so like by a thumb pad, that I, I push back this corner that's closer to me with the thumb pad, and then you pinch the corner that's further away from you. And that really helps. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. But um, it takes, it, it's taken, it took me so long to really get the hang of like, I'm like I said, I'm even I'm still getting the hang of it vertically, but even horizontally, like it, it, it's frustrating, it's painful. Um, but then you know you keep practicing, and you'll know when it starts to click because you'll you'll have a deck that you like struggled with like for minutes and minutes and minutes or even hours, and then like all of a sudden you're just like whoa, so these are these the same cards? But it's all about that once that technique clicks, you know, 
it becomes a lot easier. Because I, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that can do some really, really impressive uh, tearing stuff. They have, they have the strength for it, but they just haven't really honed in that, that technique. So uh, they, they haven't been able to do them yet. Absolutely. We have a buddy that can lift an inch dumbbell, and uh, we were working with him on card tearing, and he fell into the technique just right, and a half deck basically exploded in his hands. And then he wasn't able to, you know, hone in the technique again with the next couple tries. But that one time, you know, it just it was nothing. If he would have had a full deck in his hand, it would have been the same exact thing. Exactly. Like when it clicks, it really clicks. Everything's just perfectly lined up and you got the curve going so that it's not that, especially with the, uh, the, the, the more beginner cards that are like not as plastic coated or whatever. Um, they, they don't take that much strength like, so like you can have, you can muscle through them with poor technique, but then once you get to the harder ones, it's it's like really really difficult to do that with those, and and you end up tearing your uh, your webbing, which isn't very fun. <laughs> no, I'd imagine not. I'm mostly getting the hot spots along here still, you know, in that area. Yeah, um, I think I've gone through like maybe five or six whole decks of cheap cards, and I haven't messed with the the more expensive cards yet. But I have some Mavericks sitting around and some bicycles waiting for me. Uh, you'll, you'll get up there it's uh, as once you uh get enough practice with the the easier ones like once you have that technique down you'll, you'll probably surprise yourself the first time you pick up a ma uh, deck of mavericks you're like whoop, oh <laughs> yeah it wasn't as hard as i thought it was gonna be yeah exactly well, that was the other question someone had was just in general what is your card tearing technique if there's any specific exact tips you have for your that you do with your card tearing pretty much just like uh what I explained with that, um, I guess I shouldn't have torn that first deck. But I, have, I have so many, I buy in bulk, so I have like a box of like a couple hundred decks. <laughs> um, but re really that, that, that thumb pad thing is, is the most important I've found. Because, um, well, first with your vice hand, a lot of people, they, they kind of just think like they just want to squeeze as hard as they can. They don't really think about it, but for me, I find that this hand, the vice hand is as important as the tearing hand, and you have to pay attention to both of them, because if you're paying too much attention on your tearing hand, then you're, you're kind of, you let the, the structure of the deck kind of slide without even realizing it, and are then it... Are you tearing with your dominant hand, or are you tearing with your... I, I tear with my dominant hand. What's that? I tear with my dominant hand. Okay, so do I. Yeah, I... I, I some guys like to vice with their dominant hand, so... You know, I, I, I uh, it's it's actually really difficult for me to uh, to tear a deck the opposite way. It just feels so like foreign, and I don't have the technique down. I, ha I haven't even been able to tear through uh, anything harder than these, uh, I guess, offhand, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, I mean, it, really focus on keeping these cars together. You don't want them to fan out or move at all. You want them to stay as straight as possible. And you want to squeeze, but not hard enough where you see how the, the deck starts to bow a bit. You, you don't want to squeeze that hard. So you have to find that perfect balance of like keeping them together and, and a strong grip, but not to the point to where you start to bow the deck. And uh, then, like I said, the, the thumb pad thing, I don't know if this is a good angle or not. I'm, I'm really bending this corner here down with my thumb pad and then pinch. And after that, you're just uh, pull well, your tearing hand towards you, and I, I kind of twist my vice hand a bit forward at the same time. And uh, that, 
you know, it, again, it takes a lot of practice. Like I, when I first started learning, I saw people doing the same technique. I watched some videos. I'm like, I'm doing it. Like, I don't know why it's not working, but it really is just uh, practice, practice, practice. Um, then another tip for finishing a deck that a lot, I see a lot of people don't do. Once you can tear, once you get through a good amount of the deck, if you can sneak your index finger into here, then you, you have like a really good grip on it. Um, you just kind of twist your wrists apart and you'll have really good leverage. So like, I, unless the cards start to slide around all over and it's really, really sloppy, uh, that, that's the easiest part of the tear. Once you can get your finger in there, it's pretty much a done deal if the cards have been able to stay together. But again, oh, wow. practice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody's hands a little bit different, but you know, the more, the more we hear technique from different people, you kind of put together this whole picture of exactly what's going on. And it's, it's funny because it's hard to explain each element yourself. You know, everybody kind of focuses on one thing. Oh, it's really important. I can see the S or it's really important. I can, you know, like you focus on the thumb pad. Some other people focus on digging their hand into the vice hand a little bit more. So it's kind of interesting to figure out, you know, the whole picture from multiple people. Oh yeah. I you, you've got a really good point there because, uh, you know, everybody's hand structure is different, like the spacing between here or whatever, the size of the palm compared to the fingers or the, the thickness of your fingers. It, it all makes a difference with your hand positioning. So it's, it's, you're right. It's really one of those things. You just, you have an idea of how to do it and then you make little tweaks or adjustments for your own personal hand structure and, and just what works for you. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. So um, last fan question, and it actually comes from us, Couch Potato Strong. We want to know, how are you getting so much chalk on your blogs? Um, <laughs> a lot, just a lot of chalking. And um, I, I sweat like like a madman, like even when it's not hot. So like a, salt, a sweaty and, and chalky mixture <laughs> helps get that stuff on there pretty good. Um, I've, I've heard of people like even putting them in the freezer and like it makes it like keep chalk better. Uh, I've heard different techniques, but um, for me, if, if like, you know, I usually like to let them like naturally get chalked. So it'll just be over time with just training. I really get some on my palms and try to dig it into there. And then spanking is a very, uh, yeah. it's a very effective technique. And um, that's more so like after you've got some chalk on there or whatever. But for some reason, it seems to, it seems to work. <laughs> now, are yours um, still painted or did you raw your blocks? Um, all of mine are painted except for um i have one one of my my half 120 and half 115 hex without the handles are stripped at the top and then i have a blobzilla that i have never lifted that's also stripped yeah that's a monster but, uh, blobzilla yeah <laughs> yeah it's like one on of those sucker. long um i'm not sure like Jed has really, really good, a really good Blobzilla with really good texture, and I've floated his before, okay. but I've never been able to fully lift a half. I have a half one twenty-five, which is one step below Blobzilla, and I've never been able to get above my knee before, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I, I'm not at my strongest with uh, those types of blobs right now. It's weird. There's different, like the Legacy blobs. They have that one uh, side that kind of bubbles out. It's mm -hmm. like it's like more focused on different muscles in the hand compared to the normal blob. And at the moment, for some reason, my, my strength with those shapes just isn't at its best, but for normal blobs, it's, it's up there at the moment. So I don't really know what 
affects those things or not, but yeah. Yeah, the only blob we have here is a, an original fat man. And man, let me tell you, that sucker's a challenge. Those are challenges. I um I got I had my first blob was a half 100 legacy. And I was able to lift that one after a few tries. And then I then I got a next gen or second gen or whatever you want to call them. And I, I lifted that after maybe a week. But then for a fat man, when I finally got one, it took me like two whole years to, to finally <laughs> lift that after um, after the second gen. You figure, oh, it's a 50-pound blob. It's just like a little bit different. Like, But it's a big difference. Those I'm things are tough. insane on a fat man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my hands aren't gigantic. I only have about seven and a half inch hands, so it's going to be a, a bit of time before I get that off the ground. That will, yeah. be, that will be tough. I'm, I'm lucky. Like my hand, my right hand is seven and seven eighths inches, but I have a pretty big span. Like I think a little over nine inches. It's because this, for some reason, I just have this long space between my thumb and pointer finger, so that definitely helps me with uh, blob blobbing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think about it, but I think the big, the most important measurement in grip is from your thumb to the tip of your middle finger. Yeah, it. it I think it, it, there's so many factors too. It's not only that. Then it's like your proportions. Like some people have short fingers and really long palms. Others have, you know, the opposite. Like it's there's so many different little things that'll make you uh, just naturally better at different grip lifts. Because like I, I'm I'm really good at uh, like wider pinching. But the lift I always struggle with the most was the narrow pinching. I think because of this uh, spacing, when I have to go narrower, it's like a lot more awkward for me to, to pinch on there. So it's just been a, it's taken a lot more work for me to get that kind of pinching up compared to my wider pinch. Yeah, I, I ran into the same situation. We have a four inch uh, wide slug that weighs almost 70 pounds and I can get that up without too much trouble, but I can't get up 235s. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out like, what's the deal? and you know, when your thumb's almost at lockout, when it's real wide, you can put more pressure into it than when it's here. You know, yeah. a big part yeah. of it. It's just, you know, to have that pressure, that low, that skinny gap is tough, man. That's, it and, requires and some good, you yeah. know, specific thumb strength stuff. Yeah, that's definitely my, my uh, I'd say my weaker point, one of my weakest points when it comes to the grip. I think that's um, with the wider too, like it's not really flat finger as much as your, your fingers are uh, curved a bit because my flat finger pressure isn't that good. But when it comes to like just fingers, fingertips, when I can really engage my fingertips, I tend to do better at those types of lifts. Well, that's weird as heck, man. <laughs> I can do a flat one way easier than a rounded one. You know, it's just, uh, I guess it just depends on what your, you know, where your strength is at in your hands. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. So, uh, what motivates you to compete? Um, I, I guess I, I, it's just a lot of fun for me, really. Like, um, I, I would like to do well in competitions. I've had, there's been so many periods of time where I just haven't been at a hundred percent. So I haven't really been able to test my abilities, but I, I still like to go out to them because it's also, like I said, it's just so much fun. I really like the community. So it's like every time you go to a competition, it's like you're having like a mini reunion with friends that you only see like a couple times a year or whatever. So it's just it's just a whole lot of fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. We love the grip community. And I think it's the most welcoming community in sports that I've been involved with for sure. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely um, one of the factors that got me so much into it because I'm a very like shy kind of reserved guy. I was never on any 
online forums or anything like that before and and this kind of changed all of that and uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, it helped me like get out of my shell a bit yeah now you're doing uh instagram posts with you in a bunny suit i mean <laughs> yeah. you know they can't see my face so i don't feel as scared <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> pretty wild stuff man i just like to think of weird like unique ideas like how, how to make something cool more cool or just different I'm, i like to say i'm like just i'm a weird person so i like to do weird things hey we're right there with you we're looking forward to seeing what you do on the golden potato oh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to that um i've seen a lot of cool lifts on there and people doing pull-ups and deadlifts and uh, i'm excited to try it I'll, I'll probably have to do a seated for the deadlift for now at least i'm not sure unless i get good news on thursday about the leg but uh I'm looking forward to doing the pull-ups because I've been doing a lot of those lately. Uh, a lot of pull-ups. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We already have a seated uh, deadlift full of over 200 pounds by Dustin McFarlane. Yeah. 200 of grip. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a monster. You know, he's deadlifted over 700 pounds seated. He's just a total beast. Yeah, I've, I follow him. He just does some really crazy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The climbers really like it um, because it's, it's basically a rock material and you'd have to dig your fingertips into it. So, yeah. Oh, so that, that's the texture of it is like like a rock climbing? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, It's like a rock-like texture. So, yeah, it's that's definitely hard on the fingertips. Uh, I look forward to the pain. <laughs> exactly. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's nice and cute until it rips your skin off. <laughs> so, um, what do you consider your greatest athletic achievement? Oof. Um, like as far as like lifting goes or like anything. Oh man. That's a tough one. Um I I, I I'm really uh proud of just the uh the fitness journey that I've gone through the last couple of years. Um because that, that's probably been like the most difficult like mentally and physically on me. Yeah. But um, as far as like like lifts go, like I, I, I'm mostly like into grip stuff. I've been trying to get more into conventional lifting, but uh, I'm I'm really proud of my my uh, I got like a 271 on Little Bighorn. Okay. Not in competition, but um, that's huge. Oh <laughs> that's a big lift on Little Bighorn. That's crazy. Yeah, I I, uh, I actually ended up tearing my uh, biceps tendon last July trying trying a little more <laughs> so but um I, I guess anything really that that uh any kind of any kind of goal that I've really been pursuing for a long time and put the work into over time that that I end up getting to and even if it's not impressive like to any to like a lot of other people or whatever as long as like if I put in the work and I really wanted to chase it then that's probably what what I'm, I'm the most proud of once okay, so tell us about the fitness journey. I think a lot uh, of people are curious about that anyways. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I've been into, like, strength training on and off for a while. Um, but I, I, for, like, 12 years, I just always seemed to be getting some kind of injury somehow. Whether it's from lifting or just crazy mishaps in life. Um, so for for a while, I, I let myself just get out of shape and, and just stop doing anything, stop caring. Um, and it came to the point where, like, I just wasn't happy. And, uh, you know, 
climbing a flight of stairs, you're out of breath. Like I'm, I was in my mid twenties. I'm like, you know, that shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that. Um, I, I just decided it was time to, to really uh, make a change. And I totally switched up my lifestyle. Um, just, uh, I can never, um, what's the word, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking um, walking, walking is very underrated. Um, that, that's probably been my biggest tool for, for getting into shape is just walking every day. Even if it's just for a little bit, I was shocked to find out how many calories you burn from walking compared to like the most intense workout of your life. You, you burn more calories when you're walking. Yep. Just, um, and, uh, just, just, uh, slowly increasing the walking each day, um, and, and counting calories, uh, things that see like the, the long-term goal, it seems so impossible. But it's just those you just make these little tiny like just little things that you do every day they add up over time and eventually you get closer to your to your goals um, yeah for sure it's amazing what walking does for you and we think of it as oh it's just a means of getting around if i don't have a car or it's just a means of taking me here to there if i absolutely need to use it but no like walking is pretty much your essential core means of maintaining physicality as a human being yeah so yeah i um you know i i think like that's what helped me uh start getting back into shape and like i still do it obviously not to not when i'm injured but um i i think uh when i had a, a really bad lung infection last august and i think if i hadn't started walking and getting to making the diff the changes when i did I, I don't know if i'd be around right now so so uh, crazy walking may have saved my life so ne never uh underestimate the power of walking <laughs> yeah absolutely so um i know you've had a few injuries but uh what's your greatest blunder that you've done or a uh, silly thing that resulted in injury during lifting or anything mm. or it may not have resulted in injury maybe it was just a silly blunder well uh let's see I've done a lot of stupid things over the years, um, but uh, I, the one that comes to me off the top of my head is uh, I tore my left biceps tendon last a April of 2020. I was I, I lifted a, a 135 pound baby inch and then did a, a, a bottoms up clean and press with an 80 pound cut kettlebell. When I was pressing it, I didn't realize like I was like kind of leaning and it overstretched my arm and it just. Oof. I, I completed the, the lift, so it was like, cool, I got it. But then, you know, you deal with the consequences. Yeah, those combos are tough, man. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Um, I, I like, again, I just, whenever I can, my, my, my whole philosophy has been when I can do something, I want to make it harder. So I, I yeah. do it, either add weight or add something else or different position or I don't know what drives me to do them, but it's just, I like the excitement. I like the challenge. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we've been starting to do some some combo stuff. We've been doing potato lifts with slug lifts at the same time, whatever, just to see what that's all about. And man, the core pressure is, is beyond what I expected. If this lift is different than this lift, man, you really need to stabilize your core, otherwise you're gonna tweak yourself really good. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like you don't you don't even realize, especially like how, because they're low to the ground too, and some are like different start have different starting points and. It, it's uh it's, takes some getting used to i guess i, I when i uh 
I think when I, when I first did a blob in an inch, it like really threw me off and I almost like fell over <laughs> the first time I tried it. I can imagine that happening. One's 170 pounds and one's 50, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like anything that you just, you get used to, You're, you get used to the motion kind of and, and just to stabilizing your core and uh, one step at a time. How long did it take you to get the inch once you got your hands on one? Um, well, I actually, um, I, I, I lifted Jed's inch the first time I, I touched it at my first competition in February of 2017. Okay. But I, I, I think just, I had, I did, uh, for a while when I, before I had the other grip stuff, I, I had fat grips and every, everything I did, I would use fat grips, like rows, pull downs, like everything, just fat grips. And then I got a, a rolling handle, um, few months later and then just trained with that so I, I think because of that yeah. i was able to lift the inch on my, on my first try but, yeah gil uh goodman he lifted it on his first try too and he attributed it to him climbing so much to get to that point so it's neat to find out from people that were already at a decent level what they think attributed to them lifting it the first try yeah gil's a monster um yeah you know i I, I had some pretty decent base uh, grip strength. I, I'm not sure if it's really from lifting that much. I, but I, when I think about it, though, like my whole life growing up, I don't know why. I would always like a kid in school or whatever. I would hold things in a weird way. Like if I had a plate full of food, I would hold it by the edge closest to me and just hold it like this. I had textbooks. I don't know why I'd hold them. I have no idea why, but maybe just all those years of like just carrying things in more difficult positions that helped. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's an innate sense in some people to just test themselves. Because uh, I've been I, in martial arts since I was a little kid, and I use my foot to open doors or close gates or something while I'm holding things. And, you know, it looks as weird as ever, but, I mean, why not, you know? So, yeah, I think that's just driven <laughs> in part of us, you know? Do that. Test ourselves that way. <laughs> I like to think so. So what's, uh, what's your big current goal? Um, I, my, <laughs> my biggest one is just to like not get injured or sick <laughs> for like at least half a year. Um, I don't, I don't really have, it's weird. Like I had all these, I had these competitions set up. I had the, some goals set in mind and then all that kind of got thrown out the window recently. So I've been kind of unsure of what exactly I want to do, but, um, I, I definitely want to. I want to lift Blobzilla. That, that's a really big one. Um, and then I, I want to get really good at one arm pull ups, so then I can do them with like Little Bighorn, Rolling Thunder, and Golden Potato. Maybe who knows? Yeah, that'd be cool. Not many people have done the Rolling Thunder one hand pull up. That'd be really impressive. Yeah, I, 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 I need to get a little, a uh, little stronger for for my, my pulling strength. I, I can get like, I get like close, but just not not quite high enough. So I, I've been doing a bunch of pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, just different, different stuff like that. Yeah, that'll get you up there, man. And especially when you're not 150 pounds, you definitely have to do a little, little more weighted pull-up to get it up there, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it was never even the realm of possibility for me for most of my adult life. I was always, like, ranging usually between, like, 240 and 290. Um, but now, now it's like 
now that I'm lighter at, I guess all the grip training, because you don't realize you're, you're working those muscles when, when you're doing like grip deadlifts too. Um, I, I thought, you know, it'd be like years and years for me to ever get close to, to one arm, but then I tried it and I was like, yeah, it's not too far off. And so all, all those grip lifts really, really do help if you do them enough. Yeah, for sure. When we started, I think I was about 240 pounds and this was, uh, we started last March, so when the uh, pandemic started. Then we started grip in September, and I think I'm like about 210 now, and I can do like 10 pull-ups no problem, not one-handed, but I couldn't do a single one when I started when I was 240. Yeah, it's a crazy how much of a difference, and it just it feels better in your joints too. I used to when I, I do a couple pull-ups when I was heavier, but like my elbows would kill me after every set, and I felt like I was doing more harm than good, so I, I avoided them for the most part. Yeah, for sure. If it doesn't feel good to throw your body around, then your, your body's probably too big. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good rule of thumb. <laughs> I think so. So um, you mentioned some lifestyle habits that you subscribe to. Um, are there any other lifestyle habits you have that would help someone trying to get fit at home other than the walking? and? Um, well, you know, other than walking and calorie counting, um, I guess a lot, a lot of it is just like kind of a mental, um, you know, take it one day at a time, set little short-term goals throughout your entire journey to, to help you stay motivated. Like even if it's something like small and seems insignificant, it's enough to, to make you feel good and keep going and keep pushing. Because even when you, you are doing really well and you've come so far, there's still all these little voices in your head that are telling you to quit or like you're not good enough or whatever, but you just have to just keep, just keep pushing. And if you slip up, just tell yourself tomorrow's a new day and, and you really, in your head, you feel like the world's over, but you really, you just set yourself back a day or whatever. It's really not the end and, and you, you have so much to keep going for. Um, yeah, that, that's huge. It's been a challenge. That's been a challenge for me. So I'm, I'm that's why I really try to stay mentally uh, in tune with that. That's really good advice. Uh, I think that's even even great advice for grip just because uh, some of the goals seem almost out of reach. You know, like a lot of the achievements in grip are pretty darn elite. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it is, you know, and you, you got, you got to feel like you're part of the game or you're at least playing the sport, even if you can't close a three or lift an inch or, you know, pick up a blob because all of those things are, are definitely rare uh, achievements. I remember when I first started, I only had grippers. And I worked up to like a two and a half and I honestly felt bad about myself because I couldn't get a three because that was, that was the measure. It was, can you get a three? You know, you're awesome. If you can get a three, anything below that, who cares? So, you know, it was just, uh, it's neat to see that the grip world has expanded and there's a lot more, uh, you know, intermediate level feats and, and encouragement for the intermediate level guys to get up to what would be the pro level or whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, you, uh, take a two and a half to any like normal person and like <laughs> if you're like what the heck you're you're able you can this is able uh, physically um you can physically shut this like it's possible like it, you know it's it, you, you forget how hard these things really are if you just um because you're so like into the the grip loop i guess just like how with like instagram and all that you see all these people with these like amazing like top 0.001 genetics and or whatever and like but like in reality, like 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 you're not seeing like the average person, and like 
you know, there's so much uh, you can do to work and make yourself better and really stand out. You shouldn't compare yourself to the things that you see, like the best, the best, because, you know. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree on that. We're not all going to close the MM8 or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be happy just to hit the three one day. <laughs> Are you on the uh, MASH Monster search right now? Yeah, I, I did the one and I okay. messed up two twice like I closed it but I, I'm not good at videoing um so I have to get my my revenge on that one uh I'd like to get the three someday that they say that's like equivalent to like a pretty stout three and a half so that that's like a good oh, long wow, that's a big jump yeah that's probably the biggest jump of all the mash monsters so like one and two are pretty similar to like a, your average like oh number one the number one is pretty similar to your average like number three yeah, I heard uh, the number one is actually like a couple pounds below 150 from a lot it, of guys that have touched it. It felt pretty easy. I, it's weird because there are also different types of grippers. I, I like the Mash Monster gripper. Like I, I just felt like it set so well, feels so good in your hand. Some grippers, they just, I don't know what it is. They just don't feel right in your hand when, you, in, when you're setting them or they're a little more stiff. But that one it just felt really good. And uh, so the two actually, uh, the two is probably I would say around a 160 RGC. Okay. Um, but then the the MM3 is like a 183, so it's like a whole like it's so much harder. Yes. That's why you, that's why you see the, the the list all of a sudden get super short after the two. Oh. Yeah, that's nuts, man. I'd be happy if I ever got a two. I'd be good yeah. with that. Hey, you can close a three. You're not far off, man. Just yeah, exactly. It's weird with grippers too because there have been times where I was stagnant in my progress for for literally like years, and um, but I also was was focused on a lot of other grip stuff too. That's the other thing. If you're not hyper focused on grippers, it can be hard to make progress. But um, yeah, I, I could be stuck for a few years on on one range of RGC, and then out of nowhere, I'll just all of a sudden jump up like 10, 15 pounds. I think it's all the other stuff, honestly. I think it's you do the grippers, see where you're at, put them away for six months or whatever, do a ton of grip stuff, go back to them, and you're like, oh, look, I'm stronger now. Weird. Yeah, that, that's probably probably true. And, um, you know, once you get back to them, you just you just have to, like, kind of relearn how to do this set because that's, that's another thing that's very technical, setting perfectly. Yeah. But, like, the strength is up, and then once you get, I guess, used to the set again, you, you'll surprise yourself. No different than card tearing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, like, uh, it sounds crazy, but, um, so I can close about a uh, number three gripper. I've closed in a choker, 164 pounder is my best. And from a, just a deep set, no choker, nothing. I've done 138 pound gripper. Um, my best on a dyno is only 154 pounds. Huh. So yeah, that's weird. Most number yeah. three closers squeeze 170, 180 pounds on a dyno. But the other thing is Steve Anderson, the guy that's going for the MM9, um, on the, the GM 150 dyno or whatever, he only got like 120 kilograms. So in the like 250, 260 range, which is of course, you know, way higher than the gripper he's trying to close. Um, but nonetheless, it's not astronomically higher where there's guys that close over 150 kilograms on that dyno and they can't close a number four. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's definitely technique. Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot of practice. It's so weird. Like the, a fraction of like a millimeter off it can make can make a difference like um 
Yeah, it's huge. If it sets just a tiny bit off in your hand here instead of right there, then yeah, you, you lose all of it. Or if, or if you let it slide the tiniest bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very technical. Mm -hmm. So um, have you stumbled upon any strange or unconventional training techniques that have helped you significantly improve your strength? Um, hmm. Like, uh, as far as, like, grip goes or just in general? In general or grip, either way. Um, sorry, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's a toughie. Uh, I, I, as far as, as grip goes, I really like, I like doing, um, some, like, hold, longer holds. Like, not, not, not till fa failure, but, like, seven to ten second holds. Okay. Um, after after like working sets with like triples or whatever I, and uh, I, time under tension seems to be a pretty effective um overall strength um yeah i just started adding in i never did holds before but decided to just start adding in at the end of our last workout where you saw my brother did a hold with the, the axle and so did i i thought that's yeah it's probably gonna help a lot i see a lot of guys doing that yeah I like to do them after I get like the heavier reps in. That way, I'm just like, you know, I, I, you're just kind of totally exhausting your muscles afterwards. And uh, but um, for first, uh, just regular strength goes. I um, I've really, uh, I guess, it, not everyone can do them. But I've been really into pull-ups lately. Uh, I find they've been helping me get overall stronger. I think they've helped my grip too. I just have to be careful for my training is them because if I do pull-ups and then do grip, then my grip's totally fried. Yeah. But uh, it's all about finding the balance. Like I'm constantly tweaking my routines either because something starts to get a little stagnant. So you switch it up or you get an injury that so you have to work around it. So I feel like I, it's been tough for me to really have, say I've had any solid routine in, in the last couple of years. So, but uh, I, since throwing pull-ups in the mix, uh, I've found I've been like felt overall stronger with grip and everything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of guys that mix it up that much that have been quite elite in the grip world um, over the years. I mean, there's been a lot of just really creative. I mean, Brooke builds an example of a guy that just changes his routine pretty regularly and doesn't have a set routine. And you know, uh, Adam Glass says he goes in the gym and does what he feels is good that day. You know, and uh, it's interesting how effective that is. I guess once you get in tune with your body and you have that awareness, you know what needs training and what doesn't. That's very true. Yeah, you, after a while, you're like, all right, so this part of me is lacking, so I'll switch this up or focus a little more on that and a little less on that. And it's, I mean, even even without any, um, like, outside distractions, it's, it's always going to be uh, – you're always going to be changing things up because the body adapts and then, you know, you want to keep shocking your system to, to, for, to, to make more progress. For sure. Uh, yeah. I thought another technical thing with bending, that was really, really technical for me. It was another uh, aspect of grip that we tried out that if you don't have technique, you're not going to do it. <laughs> uh, have you done much steel bending? No, I'm. I've dabbled. Like I, I've done uh, some grade twos, some blue nails, sixty uh, Ds, but um, I'm, I'm because I'm. I've always been so injury prone. 
I, I've kind of been afraid to really go all in because I, I feel like I'm just going to snap something in my wrist because you know I don't think it helps grip that much more to go any higher than that honestly um mm. when I went I did the the blue nails like you said and some 60ds and the square stock and the quarter inch and then uh, did some bigger 516 stuff and at that point it's almost like yeah your wrists have to be strong to hold it but everything's coming from your back and it's all you know bigger muscles that are engaging to do it at that point so once I could accomplish that I went back to the smaller stock and started doing like the the vertical bends and the Heslep bends and the bends that are all wrist centric and I think those are helpful but that's about it uh, honestly when it comes to if you're doing a transfer transfer from this to grip I think that's where it's at yeah I've never thought to mess around with the easier ones like that man yeah, I always like throwing new things in the mix though so yeah, I, I definitely don't think I'll do a lot of the huge bending because I can see where that could cause injury. And a lot of the guys that do big bends, they do wind up with, injuries. you know, hit and miss injuries like fairly regularly. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, I have nothing but respect for them and it's super impressive. I just feel, I, I know, like, I feel like I would just be too vulnerable to something. And I, if you have the passion and drive for bending, then by all means, but my, I'm, I'm more into the grip, you know, the grip stuff. I, really yeah, I like think you have to specialize in that because there's so much connective tissue strength that you have to have for the bending. I think that you have to really specialize in. I'm sure it messes with your central nervous system too. That, yeah, that too. Yeah, and that's that's a weird fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that central nervous system is one thing I just haven't really gotten a whole the hang of yet. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I say don't mess with it too much, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's there to help us out. We're not, we're, we don't need to mess with it. Pretty technical. <laughs> so if you could start your training all over again, would you do anything different? And what would you do different? Why? Um, I would work, <laughs> work my extensors more. Yeah. I don't develop tendonitis. Um, I would uh, avoid doing dumb combo lifts that lead to bicep tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I guess just be more consistent because even when I started with grip, I was still living like a very unhealthy lifestyle. I wasn't fully committed to like just health. And um, I, I feel like I, I could have made way more progress in my first few years of grip if I had done that because they, they all go hand in hand, like just overall health and, and grip and, and strength. So if you're working on all of those aspects, you, I feel like you could really like make good progress and, uh, you know, not get hurt also you feel like the progress jumped up a lot when you got healthy i know you were doing some pretty good grip lifts when you were heavier i saw like uh you get like a double blob lift and a couple other decent lifts so how did that make a difference it it made a made a crazy difference like like i was always like kind of knocking the door on, on a lot of pretty elite grip piece but i was just not quite there and a few months of into just being healthier and being healthier, living a healthier lifestyle helped me be more consistent with it too. I wanted to do these things more often. Like before I'd be, I'd be lazy. I'd be like, ah, I could do it in a couple of days or whatever. But um, with, within, a, within a few months, I, I, I almost every week I was knocking down one or two feet that I'd been eyeing out for years. And it, it really made a crazy difference. And um, physically and mentally, it was, it was really... I'd recommend it to anyone who's been like on the fence 
if you really want to take things to the next level, if you, if you focus on health, it can really help affect your, your uh, grip and strength gains too. Sounds like it had a snowball effect kind of too. Like once you got going and you started making all those, you know, achievements that you've been eyeing for years, I bet you it just motivated you to keep on that healthy track. Barrel straight forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely did. Like once you, you know, and there, there's all this, there's all these like phases, you know, like you make some, some newbie gains progress and then, then you just feel like you're stagnant for a while and you might get unmotivated, but like little, little things like that once you once you start to like uh uh reap the benefits of all your hard work and and that it'll you hit a point like you'll feel like start to feel a little discouraged and all of a sudden you'll, you'll break through this new plateau and then you'll get all this life back into you and you just can keep keep pushing yeah that's awesome yeah i think we're kind of getting fairly close to running out of our newbie gains pretty soon we'll see but uh there's been a couple couple weeks where I didn't I didn't PR on my axle weight and I'm like oh man I should be you know I should be getting a PR every time I touch the axle well you know probably not but it was fun for a while and and then they'll just start coming randomly you know like like that, thankfully there's a lot of different grip disciplines out there so like if if you if you shoot around enough you know you'll you'll, you'll get a PR in something to keep keep you motivated yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I have heard on the penny pitch today. It's good enough. Yeah, exactly. I, I found that um, it was actually really hard for, for me to progress on thick bar, yeah. uh, in particular, compared to the other ones. So that's that's pretty cool that you kept making so many more newbie gains. Like, I think my uh, my crusher went up my two and a half inch crusher. I don't know if you know that what that one is. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it went up maybe by twenty five or thirty pounds over my entire grip career, which which like compared to all my other lifts is not yeah. that much but uh it just for, for me it's been so hard to progress on that so i'm kind of jealous of your all, all your uh axle prs there well we we uh i guess we cheated a little bit we had a regular axle a knurled axle a two and a half inch axle and three inch axle so we weren't just playing on on one axle and the i think the knurled axle actually helped the most was using like, them. like an overload almost yeah exactly um and, you know, if it rips out of your hands, it's a lot worse. You know, <laughs> no, so it, like, really wrecks the skin if it rips out of your hands. So there's a, a mental encouragement there to squeeze the heck out of that sucker. <laughs> I guess that's, that's like when I do some of those uh, combo lifts barefoot. I'm like, all right, can't drop these. Yeah, exactly. If I drop <laughs> these, it's all over. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, someone's mentioned, like, I was uh, – doing some inch lifts and I can't lift the inch without a little bit of a uh, pressure on the rear globe, but I was barefoot nonetheless. And someone was like, why don't you wear shoes when you're doing that? And I'm like, really, honestly, if I drop this on my foot, it's going to break my foot, whether I'm wearing shoes or not. So the only thing that's going to do if I'm wearing shoes is create a situation where now I have to take off a shoe and a sock just to see the damage. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, put up on the shoe or whatever. <laughs> that, that's might as well just skip that step and just smash the foot directly. That, that's how I've always seen it. Like people always are like, "Oh, what about your feet?" And I'm like, "It's there hundreds of pounds. What's a little bit of cloth gonna do?" Yeah, exactly. It's not gonna help much, man. So, what's the uh, most important piece of equipment you have in your home gym, and why? Ooh, um, 
I guess as far as overall training goes, um, my, my power rack, just because I can do like pull-ups and set up the bench on there. And I use bands for like band assisted for block weights, like for training for Blobzilla, I have like a band, so like a reverse band. So mm-hmm. uh, I find that that's good training because, you know, you're getting your hand to adapt to the size of it without yeah, having sure. to bear all the weight. Um, so my favorite, I'd say my favorite like grip equipment is definitely inch dumbbells. I just feel like I get a lot of bang for my buck for those. But um, that's what I've heard. As soon as you can actually lift an inch, exactly. exactly. I was gonna say for a while, they're tremendously better. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, that they're um, you know, they're hard to find or that they're pricey. Um, but if you if you can, if either get an adjustable or I I have I have a bunch of like different baby inches. We got one inch and it came in at 177. So. Oh my goodness. Mine, mine are one seventy fours, but like, man, one oh, pound is the difference with those. You never, you'd never think a pound can make so much difference until it's an inch dumbbell. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I know there's a guy not too far from us that has one hundred seventy three and a half, and uh, my buddy just ordered one, and we're interested in seeing what his comes in. But he's already lifted my one seventy seven, so if his is lighter. We're trading. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a good deal to me. <laughs> it's crazy, man. That's a, that's a heck of a feat. But, yeah, I've heard them coming in. It's close to 180 pounds a couple times. So it definitely varies, just like plates. Yeah. There's probably yeah. someone out there with, like, a 164-pound inch that's lifting it, and they're like, yeah, I'm a monster. And then they go to pick up an inch, and they can't do it. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, the, the, the one that – Jed has a few. The, the one that I lifted of his was – ended up being it's 169 pounds. So it was an easy – that okay. one's easier one. But – um. Yeah, they definitely uh, can can uh, be a wake up call for those who don't know that a few pounds can make a difference. Well, I figure if I can get that one seventy seven, then I'll be set. Yeah, if if you can get the one seventy seven, then one seventy two, one seventy three should should feel yeah, a bit most of the other ones I come in contact with will be lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, chances are good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was looking at it. So um. Do you have any other advice for the average person at home just trying to get fit? Um, I, I guess that, you know, I, I feel like I probably just repeating myself, like just uh, stay consistent and don't, don't let your mind get the best of you. Yeah. You know, you just keep pushing because like, whether or not it's yourself or someone else or what you think other people think, like just, just keep doing you just take it one day at a time. Just, keep your head down like after enough time you look up and see how far you really came yeah i like that what you said about not paying attention to the uh, guys on instagram deadlifting 800 pounds yeah. you know, there's always gonna be someone online that'll make you feel like crap so <laughs> absolutely if that's, there's a person's always going to be out there mm-hmm. yeah you know, this little this little 19 year old that weighs 150 pounds mickey mural is out there yeah. with the, you know the denny stones Side yeah. by side, yeah. you're going. What are you doing, man? You know. Yeah, there are some freaks out there. It's yeah, it's really impressive stuff. So, yeah, that's cool. So, do you have any questions for us, Couch Potato Strong, before we let you go? Um, I don't know if I have any questions. But I just I really like your guys, like your vision, what you guys are doing, like because like I, I was I was a couch potato for many years. And like it's, I think it's so important for just people to be like more aware about living even just a little bit healthier. Like how much it can help you in so many ways. Like both not just physically but also mentally and emotionally. You know, 
Um, and I, I just like that there, there's things out there like what you guys do. For sure. Like you said, it's little changes. Uh, you make gradual little changes. You know, you started walking, then you started walking more. And I'm sure your diet started changing slowly and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It wasn't all overnight. It was like baby steps, and, you know. And then like before I got injured, I, I was a, I was a morning runner. If you told me I'd be, I was a, I would be a morning runner, like even a year ago, I'd say you're on some kind of crazy drug or something <laughs> like, it's just as, as things change, as you feel better physically yeah. and mentally, you just, you'll, you'll start to do things that, that surprise yourself that you never thought you'd be able to do or would want to do. Yeah, for sure. That's huge, man. Those little baby steps. A lot of people fail because they say, you know what, this is my new year's resolution. Tomorrow I'm going to cut out fast food. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start going to bed early and do all this stuff. And they try to do it in one week or whatever. And, you know, you can't do that. You need to take no. little steps. Take make one change each day or a couple weeks or whatever. One change, get comfortable with that change before you think about doing anything else. Exactly. Make, make little small goals that, that'll make you feel like happy with yourself along the way. That, that'll just help, help you keep going. You know, it's, it's a process, you know, they always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Absolutely. Well, all right, man, it was nice chatting with you. Nice chatting with you too. Right on. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll get some golden potatoes out to you and we look forward to seeing what you can do with them. That'll be fun. All right. That's good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right, you too.